You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky got a great show for you today. Uh, we'll welcome in Jeff Stotts from In Street Clothes. Dot com in just a second. I want to let you know, though, that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Um, Jeff, if you don't know him, Jeff is one of the best guys in sports working in, in injuries. Um, he you know, is, is the website in street clothes. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at the same handle. And if you if you want somebody who can explain to you what the heck is going on um, with player health and why things are happening, he is a great resource for that. Uh, Andy, you may have noticed there were a couple injury issues with the Lakers this year, so we're we're excited to have Jeff on the show. Jeff. Actually, I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't notice. Like it's, <laughs> it really chips away a lot at my credibility covering this team because in research, doing a little bit of research, you know, come up with some questions for Jeff. I did not realize AD missed like half the playoffs. I don't. I don't know what I was watching. <laughs> but it explains but, a lot. It explains a lot of the of what yeah. happened. Like you know, now I mean, that I, you, I did, let me ask I you a question. Now that you know, do you feel differently about some of the opinions that you were giving before? I feel really, really stupid about all those podcasts that I spent ripping them for <laughs> underachieving, and, and for and, not and getting, frankly not playing a why why aren't you playing AD? Yeah, I mean, or just AD being invisible. He's like, your best player. Come on. So, Jeff, I, it must be an honor for you to join uh, two people with such insights like us. So thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm always happy to be with anybody who wants to talk about injuries, even if they don't necessarily notice them in, in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Andy doesn't like to see the negative. He only likes to look at no. the positive. Um, so there's a, there's a ton of stuff that we want to get into over the course of the show. Um, but I'll start with this. Was what happened to the Lakers? Obviously, very high-profile injuries um, with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James. Was what happened to them this season really significantly different than what happened to any other team uh, this year in terms of the injuries that they that they, that they saw? Uh, not particularly. You know, we we knew coming into this season that there were going to be variables in play that we'd never seen before. We knew coming mm -hmm. off of out of the pandemic, coming out of a short off season, a long prolonged off season for other teams that there was going to be a ton of variability in the league. And so we, we try to just manage those variables as best we can try to get a good look at overall what the teams look like. And, and overall what the Lakers faced was not significantly different than what they faced in years past, or even really, uh, compared to league-wide trends, but what really hurt them is who it happened to. And like mm -hmm. you said, those two main guys, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, missed substantial chunks of the season. Uh, AD was obviously injured during the postseason as well, with LeBron still, by his admission, not 100% with that ankle in the postseason as well. So there were not necessarily a whole lot of things completely different, but definitely more impactful. Yeah, it, it's interesting, Jeff, because there's been a lot. There's been a lot of talk about <laughs> the, the dog. The dog is ready to hop on in. 
But nice. I, I was I like, ah. the, it took it took the second bark before I realized it was a dog. At first, I thought it was a person screaming, and I was yeah. a little concerned that we were going to have to turn this tape over to the authorities. <laughs> nope just just our little little pup. So he, okay, his, his bark is a lot worse than uh, his bite. It for is sure. it is definitely not somebody <laughs> being kept in the basement against their will. So please carry uh, on. <laughs> somebody too injured. To leave the basement. <laughs> like what people don't realize is Jeff actually collects injured people. That's how he does a lot of his work and studies and really learns. How else uh, are you supposed to learn? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, <laughs> it's one of those, those who you know do, do, those who cannot do, I guess, fake about it for their website and their Twitter <laughs> following. But there, there's been a lot of focus, obviously, about the injuries this year and the amount of games lost, stuff like that. You know, there, there are some... People like Baxter Holmes from ESPN who've done their research. The league has pushed back against some of that. But in terms of how you crunch the numbers, I guess, or how you define some of this stuff, maybe there could be some discrepancies. But it, can it be debated that star players have taken more of a brunt this season in terms of injuries, especially once you start getting into the playoffs, than in seasons past? So it definitely seems to have impacted the playoffs in the postseason. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've looked at a couple different trends. I think LeBron really focused on that in his his tweet, um, focusing on the number of, of of players out and and looking at some of the numbers. Yes, it does does appear as though more All Stars have missed time this postseason than in, in years past. You know, I was able to contribute to, to the Baxter Holmes piece. I was able mm -hmm. to, to to work with some other people that have dove into this, and I, every year I get asked, "Are injuries up?" And it seems to happen as soon as one or two high-profile guys get injured. So it's a little bit of recency bias there as well. And, and you kind of have to find this balance. I always tell people when it comes to sports medicine, nothing is linear and player health. Nothing goes from point A to point B. It is a, it's more like a spider web. It is every little offshoot is important. And if you, you get a little bit of a ping here, it's going to affect the whole web. You get a bigger ping over here, it is going to affect the whole web. And it really just depends on – on what area are we focused on? What area are, are we getting those those little pings from? And mm -hmm. th this postseason, it definitely appears to be as though we are having a lot of big names get injured. And even though some of them are playing through these injuries, still getting injured. What what parts of, of the variability do you think might account for that, even with the understanding that it's hard to know exactly? Well, I think the, the schedule for sure is the bone a lot of people point to. And, and I think that is true because it was highly variable for everybody. You know, you had rookies coming in that, you know, maybe not hadn't played in almost a year due to their season being shortened. Uh, you had and then the draft pushback and then they didn't have summer league. And so they were kind of rushed through. So our rookies are on a different timeline. Our our champion Lakers are on a 71 day off season while teams that didn't make the bubble had four months off. So you had a lot of this variability with the schedule. So even though people want to say, oh, it was this and that with the schedule, the big thing for me is it wasn't consistent. And mm -hmm. then you start to have to make up that second half of the season where they started to have to make up for the COVID games. In the first half of the season, teams like Memphis that were hit hard and had to kind of squeeze extra games in, you, you, you have certain teams that are playing a lot more. And, and then, again, the impact of all the pandemic. That, that Those are the two areas I'm really focused on, the schedule and then the impact of the pandemic. And I don't necessarily mean the players that got COVID. While that's extremely important and we're still seeing some of those ramifications, I'm talking about the testing and, and how that affected our daily routine. You know, we heard that teams weren't practicing.
practicing as much because they're from early morning testing or, or, you know, there's just simply not enough time in the day to have a we'll shoot around plus everybody make their testing plus get the results plus do mm-hmm. this and know who's going to be out there. So uh, I think at the end of the day, a lot of it was just time. And, and I think you felt that, that time crunch, particularly with the athletic training staffs across the are there areas, because obviously the, the league and the players, everybody involved in this went into it with a certain amount of eyes open in terms of the risk possibilities. Like, I don't think anybody is shocked by this stuff happening. And as you said, to some degree, there's inevitability because there's only so many hours in a day to do certain things that would be preventatives. But in terms of planning what went into this season, are there areas that you look at and say, okay, these were avoidable mistakes? So I do want to say I think did a commendable job doing everything they could to try to put these players mm-hmm. in the best possible position. Uh, I really do think that's – I don't think it was a lack of effort on the league's part. Uh, I think we knew going forward and moving into this season there was going to be hiccups. Uh, the The one area that I, I potentially would have improved on is when we knew we were only going to re- release the first half of the season – did we? Why didn't we build a little more backup into the second half? Maybe prolong the regular season in that second half to fit those games in. But I understand they're on a they're on this calendar in terms of the postseason, the beats of the postseason, the lottery, the Olympics. All these things factored and influenced that. So I would have liked to maybe see some more leeway in that second half of the season to built to to, to be naturally built in when something did occur. But again, I think the parameters set for were, were best as possible. Okay. Um, so I want to, Andy and I are both obviously interested in what happened this year, but we're really interested in sort of spinning forward to, um, what's coming, um, what some, what, you know, some of the impacts might be. I know it's in Baxter's piece, heard you talking to Zach Lowe a little bit uh, about that as well. Um, but before we do that, I want to start next segment by asking you what might be some really, really dumb questions. Um, and we'll do all of that next. Uh, Lockdown Lakers brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's time for the Michelob Ultra moment, and that happened Tuesday, Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals, Suns Clippers. In the last 8.2 seconds of a very tight and, frankly, very ugly game, not long after seeing Laker fan non-favorite Paul George hit a three-pointer to put the team that they don't like, Laker fans, the Clippers, up by one, Paul George gets sent to the line, misses both free throws, and then the Suns win the game with point. Uh, nine seconds left off an inbound alley-oop dunk to DeAndre Ayton. Why is this the moment for Laker fans? Because none of them want to see the Clippers win. And if they're going to watch the playoffs without the Lakers, the most fun they'll have is seeing the Clippers collapse because it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the only game. Joy, pettiness, what's the difference? Um, all right, so, Jeff, I before we get to the kind of what all of this year means for the Lakers, particularly going forward, the big news for the, for the Lakers over the course of the last week or so, from an injury standpoint, really has been uh, the moves that they made with the, with the training staff. They let uh, Nina Shea go, the, the head athletic trainer. I, 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 it's really hard, I know, to answer some of these questions, but what do like athletic what do the athletic training staffs do and how straight a line can you draw from the quality of a staff broadly to the amount of guys who get hurt so i always say the athletic training staff is the the hub of the wheel right and you have all these different spokes coming Mm -hmm. off of that wheel 
And those folks can be your nutritionist. It can be your, it can be your, uh, your physical therapist, your strength and conditioning coaches, anybody that's in that under that sports medicine umbrella that is included in there. But the focus in the centerpiece is that athletic trainer. They're the ones that are doing kind of coordinating. They're the ones that are in charge of recognizing injuries when they occur, um, diagnosing injuries, preventative care, rehabilitative care, coordinating all these things. And so there's, and, and the staffs have gotten incredibly bigger since I've started doing this. Initially, you only saw, you know, you had a, an athletic trainer, maybe an assistant athletic trainer. You might have had a PT or strength and conditioning coach, but that, that the number of spokes has progressively increased over the year. And so now it's still on the athletic trainer to help coordinate all this. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult because even, even the best athletic trainer, when their focus is on preventative care, can't account for everything. You know, you, you saw last night, Devin Booker collided heads. There's no preventative exercise that could have saved Booker's nose from, from, from getting broken. And Although with like Patrick was, Beverly, you, know? you can always assume something like that. Right. There, there's a certain amount that's priced in with Patrick Beverly. Like we, being on the court. we should Beverly. keep some sutures handy right. because we are playing against Patrick Beverly. Yeah, it, f- fair enough. But but again, there's there's not some exercise that they, Booker could have done on the side that is going to protect him from 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 <laughs> Beverly's shenanigans. So uh, you know those injuries occur, and then you have other injuries that just occur away from the facilities. I mean, the Lakers two years had Demarcus Cousins in a big big offseason signing one month into his tenure, tears ACL at a workout, and then never played for the team. You know th- those kinds of injuries. Are treated to that once, training staff. Steve Blake once injured his foot stepping on a parking lot uh, spike strip. Like you know, weird yeah. shit happens <laughs> oh, all all the time. I mean, there. I mean, he had had bed bugs once. You know, like I, there are tons of examples. <laughs> of, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I, I could go through my database and pull out all kinds of crazy injuries that that are going to uh, go on the, the really the wish we had asked you that ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> the medical staffs oh the, trust me there there are plenty plenty of time you stole the steve blake thunder because that's one of my favorite ones to talk about but uh oh. there, like i said there are tons of injuries that you can't account for and so you've got to do everything you can to stay ahead of things and this year more so than anything now the athletic trainers are having to deal with covid protocols mm-hmm. and making sure everybody knows what's going on and coordinating all that too so it, it's hard to just pin it on one person and you got to remember, there's also a lot that goes into team building that maybe the athletic trainer, or the medical staff is not included in. And so, are are you investing in a guy that is potentially inherently risky, high, high risk due to injury, but the upside is there? So now you're having to work to make sure that player stays on the court and those kinds of things. So it's a multifaceted approach. But again, that athletic trainer right at the hub. So how do how what are the the typical ways in which teams evaluate the quality? of those people, you know, like, you know, cause last year, um, you know, I, I, I have no idea if Nina Shea was great or lucky last year or unlucky and great this year. I don't know, but last year the Lakers didn't have a whole lot of injuries, certainly not a lot of significant ones. Um, and this year they did, but not necessarily more than others. Some teams have tons, some teams don't, you do see turnover in athletic staffs. What is typically the way that franchises evaluate how well those staffs are performing so there are a couple different ways you can do this i actually was brought in by an nba team to discuss this with their training staff and the front office to to determine are we good are we doing the right things Mm -hmm. because the 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 staff biometrics was doing a great job but but the performance on the court was still an issue so what we're trying to look at is is are we good and are are those things that we're measuring 
why are, why are those not attributing to our success? So for an athlete training staff, first thing you can do is look at games lost. Um, this is one of the reasons why I started my database on my site was I heard the Phoenix Suns had one of the best training staffs and I wanted to evaluate and figure out, is that true? Is, is that right? Or is this just something, some narrative that's made up? And sure enough, they were one of the top five teams in total games lost. But not all games are created equally. You know, uh, Jared Dudley, love him, veteran presence, missed a ton of time this season with an MCL sprain. His injury isn't as or his absence isn't as impactful as those games LeBron missed. And so the easiest way to do that is to add salary to it. So we look at dollars lost due to injury. So every game that player loses, we attribute the, the fraction of their their salary, their paycheck for that mm-hmm. game. And then we can start to see, okay, if you had you only lost 10 games, but those 10 games were to LeBron, that's still pretty impactful. So so maybe our, what, what are we doing to make sure our stars are, you know, the players that are getting these high reps, high minutes how are we keeping them safe? And then you can look at things like minutes per games lost. You can get it really dive into the analytics and look at, you know, replacement wins and things like that, win shares lost. So, so you can start to differentiate between not only how many games people are losing, but but at what cost in terms of on-court product. So a lot of variables to look at it. You know, that's one of the things I do on the site. Um, I, I've, at the end of, at the end of the every, every year, I'll go back and look at the total. And before the next season starts, I'll put out the rankings. I'll, I'll, if you go on the site right now, you can see how the Lakers did prior to uh, this season and where they looked, where how they looked coming into the year. And over the past five years, they were a top seven. I think they were seventh in the league in total games lost. So they've been, they've had a string of of good health, uh, especially to their key guys. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case this year. But even the best staff, it takes one injury to completely offset mm-hmm. everything they've done. You know, you, you look at those Lakers teams um, at the end of Kobe's run. You know, Gary Vitti, um was a staple and one of the best in the business, highly respected, and they, run in, they, they ran into a ton of bad luck. And you had Steve Blake's injury, like you said. You know, they had Kobe coming back off the Achilles, then he tore his rotator cuff and his shoulder, then he had the tibial plateau fracture. And some of those are the, you know, wear and tear of the grind that Kobe put on his body. But those one injuries completely – skewed their numbers because he was on a high salary he mm-hmm. missed a prolonged period of time so now we have to try to isolate also those out okay our numbers were high this season why were they high so it's all about asking questions and looking and finding those trends okay, that, that actually leads perfectly to what i wanted to ask you jeff because i mean ultimately all this is about health and you know health is necessary in order to get to the finals to win a championship. And today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little more this I give season. that I give that about like a 6.5 because we weren't really talking about the finals. So like you wedged that in there. But on the other hand, you did wrap the finals yes. in as a yes. you know, so the degree of difficulty there was high. You didn't, well, and you know, also too, I don't know, like the Russian judge might say you didn't stick the landing. I mean, what does a Russian judge know about Michelob Ultra anyway? And frankly, what is the Russian? It's a, it's a joyless judge? culture. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they don't think anything is worth it because enjoying it is never a factor. But when you were talking about Gary Vitti, and you know he was a staple, he goes back to Showtime. What have you heard? Just I guess, sort of broadly speaking, about how good the Lakers staff is right now, period, or how bad they are, period. Just like beyond whatever games end up getting missed, because to some degree that can be luck of the draw, even with all the preventative work that you do. And as you said also, sometimes in the way you factor this, 
it can be contract driven when you evaluate this and the training staff clearly has nothing to do with how much any of these guys get paid but it, it the the time that has not been under Gary Vitti for this organization is pretty small. We're talking about a pretty limited window that's like a, a new chapter in this organization. What have you heard about them in general, the Lakers, in terms of their training staffs? It, it's all been very positive. I, I, you know, they're they're progressive in their approaches. They're not they're not afraid to invest money in their players. You know, which is not nothing we're, we're surprised about given given the stature of the franchise. You know, I, I think they have done a very, they've done a very good job. You know, unfortunately the two years here, the year leading into the bubble and the year and this, this past season uh, were frustrating from a standpoint of you had several impactful injuries. Um, But, you know, top to bottom, they've got a very progressive staff. They're constantly adding pieces to to that, that spoke that that wheel I talked about. They're, they're not shy about, about being proactive with treatment and approach. Uh, You saw them, even even at the end of VD's tenure, be a little bit on the cutting edge of a lot of stuff. You know, Gasol was one of the first guys to have the fast technique, which was an ultrasound debridement for for some of the stuff he was having. You, you had different guys that, you know, underwent for different procedures that were, for the most part, relatively new. So it helped prolong their their careers and help them be proactive. So you know, a lot of what I what I have what I've heard in the interactions I've had has been positive. I mean, it's it's a very tight knit group. Um, and you see that there, there have been some branches that have gone other places as well and, mm-hmm. and been successful away from the team. One yeah, of the Alex McKechnie is the guy that always comes to mind yeah. uh, for us. One of the things that's interesting, though, too, about, about what you were saying before is as part of this web, so many guys oh. now kind of have their own dudes. I mean, Mike Mancias, for example, on, on the Lakers staff is essentially LeBron's guy and has been for a long time. And obviously LeBron takes incredible care of his body. How does that, though, just that dynamic of stars star players oftentimes having their own infrastructure how does that impact that sort of larger team dynamic thing that teams are trying to do around a training staff i think the the good training staffs recognize that that's part of 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 the job that's what you signed Mm -hmm. up for you it's 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 just part of it and you've got to figure out a good way to communicate to get everybody on the same page and that's where i think teams like the lakers that have have used different approaches in terms of making sure everybody's on the same page, figuring out ways to, you know, approach the data, approach player health that is translatable across different facets so that you have everybody basically trying to hit the same beats. And and so even if it is an outside guy, Hey, this is what we'd like you to work for and and an open door policy where that guy can also come back and have a conversation with the training staff saying, this is what we saw. Um, We always kind of call it, I was, cross-pollination, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that because I don't think anybody should be 100% comfortable with what they're doing. You always need to be looking for help, asking the right questions. And I, by all accounts, Lakers have been that. And, and again, and again, very positive reports from even those interactions with, with outside, outside personal skills trainers and things like that. Anybody still using leeches? Not, not that I know of. Okay, uh, just just wondering. I'm uh, kind of taking it old school in that way. That's good. Um, all right, L- I, let's let's get to next year uh, here in a second because obviously, what is most concerning to Lakers fans is what all of what happened this year means for next year, how guys recover, and any carryover um, that that comes from still an irregular off season, an unusual schedule, and and uh, the the wear and tear that that players took this year. We'll do that. 
next. First, Jeff, do you have a car? I do. Okay, you're going to want to listen to this. Um, I'm not a car guy. Maybe you are, Jeff, but there's some things that over time, like you learn safely, you can handle on your own. Maybe you're somebody who wants, uh, uh, you know, you need a little help trying to fix things. Um, the, you don't want people asking you a bunch of questions when you go into an auto parts store, stuff you can't answer, stuff you're uncomfortable with, things that might be intimidating. They're only trying to sell you something often because that's what they have in their back room. Got a part that they've been trying to get rid of. You don't need that. You have a computer in your pocket. It's your phone. You have a computer at home. It's your computer. Go to rockauto.com and they can fix a lot of this stuff for you. They got um, everything that you need from you know your en engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motors, even new carpet. Uh, so whether it's for your classic, your daily driver, everything you need, you get it in a few easy clicks directed, del delivered, I should say, directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week, as always, tons of sports action on the go. Get the latest news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. This is your chance to get into the game, Jeff as teams are neck deep in the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, am I the only person who thought my Rock Auto read there had a very Paul George at the free throw line in game two feel? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> a little as, raggedy, uh, little... As Dan Lebetard would yeah. say, you were leaking confidence. Yes, <laughs> didn't, didn't, just apologies. We'll do better next time. Um, all right, <laughs> Jeff... You know, what, what does Anthony Davis's injury mean, you know, for his recovery and going into next year? What does LeBron's ankle mean for, you know, his recovery, his offseason and going into next year? How much of a fallout should the Lakers be expecting and planning for, whether it's those two guys or really the entire roster based on this year? You know, the good thing with both LeBron and AD's injuries is they are injuries that can get better over time. You know, uh, that was the, like we talked about earlier. Time is is really what hurt the Lakers. They they weren't they did not have enough time to get LeBron 100% healthy, and AD tried to play but <laughs> was was less than 100%. So there was not enough time there to really get back to full strength. But with rest, with treatment, with prolonged recovery, these guys should be fine entering next season. I don't I don't suspect we'll see any kind of lingering effects. The sliver of good news with them losing early is they kind of get a typical postseason if you kind of look at the schedule. The, mm -hmm. When they were eliminated was about the time we kind of maybe expected them to be, get eliminated or be playing into on a, on a normal schedule. So they can hit hopefully those normal no, normal markers, normal beats of an offseason to ramp up for the beginning of next year. Uh, so – that's a, that's a win, even though it's frustrating that they're not in the postseason now. They won't be one of these teams that once that is once again facing a very compressed offseason. They're going to have some prolonged period to kind of recuperate and then begin that ramp up to the next season because that is really what's important too, especially coming off their previous previous finals run with that truncated recovery time because now they can get their bodies ready for the grind of the season and 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 
again, we're trying to get back on a mm-hmm. normal schedule, which I think is the best path forward for the NBA to get back to hopefully focusing on not these rising injury rates, but focusing on, on lowering these injury rates and getting the star players back on the court. Um, one of the things that, that people always talk about, I know when Andy and I were doing all the, a lot of radio work, it was, you know, fans are calling and say this injury is fluky or it was just, you know, a strange thing that happened or whatever, but like the body doesn't know that it was, it was injured under weird circumstances. It just knows that it was hurt. This is now the second year of three that LeBron has faced, missed a lot of time because of injury. Is, is there something that you see or you know that you think about that might be changing about the way that we look at him and injuries because for so long um he was essentially bulletproof in ways that just defied any kind of of experience so going forward should people kind of build in the idea that lebron might miss some time or that if he does get hurt it could take him longer to recover whatever it might be uh, absolutely. And that's simply because of father time. And, and the one thing I do want to stress with LeBron is, first off, we, we've already admitted this guy knows his body better than any athlete mm-hmm. you may have ever seen. He does the work. I'm, I'm marveled at what he does. I mean, he, he's he's a specimen. He's, he's the exception, not the rule, right? But the idea that he was bulletproof is a little bit of a misconception. What was impressive about LeBron is he's able to play through these injuries. I have mm. tallied tons of injuries for LeBron. I did a whole piece on the website. You can go check it out. The profile, all the various injuries he's occurred throughout his his, his playing career, but he's never missed time. That was the big thing is mm. every single time he's able to kind of shake it off, come back in there. If it was something that was serious, he was able to put it off at the off season. And then he attacked that injury, attacked recovery, attacked um, how he was going to be ready for the next season to, to, to minimize how that was going to affect him moving forward. These injuries may have occurred early on in his career, but now it's a little bit more difficult as the body ages. And we got to remember the guy has been in the league longer than a lot of superstars, probably, you know, way more than, than anybody I can think of outside. What he's doing, what he's doing at this stage of his career with that type of mileage and that type of responsibility, there's no template for it. Like it's, it's it's, one in one. Yeah. Tens of thousands of minutes more than, than if, if I ever, I'm working, I'm trying to discover or come up with some kind of metric for <laughs> durability, like looking at minutes and, and games lost and all those kinds of things. It's going to be named after LeBron. It is going to be, he's going to, he's going to be the name. I'm going to have to come up with some clever acronym using his initials because mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing what he's doing. And it, it's, it's just, we haven't seen it from anybody. We really haven't. And so uh, I do think you can't, no, I think Charles Barkley, you know, it loves to say father time is undefeated, right? Uh, eventually, you're going to start seeing some of the effects of that. And no matter what you do to mitigate that risk and minimize that risk, like LeBron does, they're, they're, it's going to catch up to you at some point. Now, right. that being said, I still think he, he's going to be fine moving forward and he's going to be able to pro- play a, a prolonged career because he is so in tune with his body and so, is so proactive the, in his approach. The difference with this injury with, with Solomon Hills uh, was, was not so much that he – sprained the ankle and got hurt. It was just that it was the recovery time was probably longer than it would have been a decade ago. Correct. And, and it's a okay. high ankle sprain too. So it's, it's not your normal garden variety ankle sprain. And, and, and really the play was more of a fluke than anything. It wasn't where it was a non-contact injury. LeBron just turned his ankle. It was a guy came crashing in. And again, we talked about that preventative care. Those are the kinds of things that no matter how much your preventative care um, you're doing and how good it is, 
it, it still might fail. You know, it's still it's your body can only handle so much stress. There's but no prevention of thing. for Solomon Hill, Andy. <laughs> and Patrick Beverly. Don't forget yeah. P, P Bev. Yeah, that is true. I mean, there, there's a reason the league does not allow them to be on the same team. It, it's just <laughs> You, you can't handle that if you're the it, there's just too much chaos jeff that too much come danger from it. yeah exactly i mean it's always safety first um I've, I've got a theory with anthony davis that i've asked people about before but I, I wanted to run past you as somebody who's an expert in injury obviously there's a lot of focus on whether he plays center or power forward the amount of minutes allotted each way and there's this general school of thought that he's better as a center or that the Lakers are better with him at center, nothing else, but he prefers not to play center. The idea being the more time he spends banging with bigger players, the more susceptible he is to injury, and injury is always a concern with Davis. I've been wondering, though, if him playing more along the perimeter, given how spread out the game is and how much ground he has to cover defensively, how much running around, could actually leave him more susceptible to injury than just the physicality of playing against bigger players. So I, I was curious what you thought of this. If, if it is ridiculous, feel free to say so. No, that's that's absolutely correct. I, I think yes, yes, this. the answer I was looking for. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're seeing. You're welcome back anytime, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so so you spread the court out. I'm not going to edit out this answer. answer. <laughs> we're we're asking our guys to do more than, than ever before. You know, you think about Shaq. How many times did Shaq sprint out to the perimeter to defend a three-point shot? I, I mean, <laughs> right? So, so that's that. And now we're asking our, our our bigs, our centers, our power forwards to do that on a regular basis. And not only that on the defensive end, but now on the offensive end, they're also stretched out. So now they're making more explosive movements, covering more ground, working their bodies harder. The game is spread out, but we've seen it in football too. Think about how. The, the game has changed and there's more passing involved. So now we're asking our receivers to do more, our quarterbacks to do more, our offensive line to block longer. And it, I think you're seeing some injury trends there as well to suggest the ramifications of that are also impactful because in addition to all these games changing, our athletes are getting bigger, stronger, faster, right? So now we're increasing those variables too. And those things colliding, sprinting out, doing those kinds of things, it, it's it's physics, right? It is yeah. force times mass times acceleration, right? Like, I mean, um, it's all those things coming together. When when you look at AD, I'm just, Andy's Andy's not going to be able to ask any more questions. He's so I, I don't need to ask right any more questions. <laughs> he might take the rest of the summer off at this point. Um, when you look at AD, like this is not new. Um, you know, him missing time is not new. I mean, it is a terrifying experience. I didn't realize how uncomfortable it is to have Anthony Davis on a team that you cover uh, until he got here because he spends so much time on the ground and falling down. And every time you're worried, he's just you know, like he's going to get any limps alive. The whole thing is terrible. But is is are certain people? Is he somebody who is just always going to be susceptible? to injury are, are are certain people injury prone or is this something that over time like you could expect two or three seasons going forward where maybe he he plays 75 games or whatever it might be so so i, I hate the term injury prone because right. I, I don't think anybody you know you name the sport we can look at a guy that simply had some on some 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 bad breaks got got on a little bit unlucky but there is a different varying level of risk for each player, inherent level mm. of risk. And I think he's always going to be having an inherently higher risk because he's asked to do more on the court, running mm -hmm. around from point A to point B to point, to point C, whatever it may be. 
He's a bigger body in general. And, and we know literally the bigger you are, the harder you fall, right? And then also I did a thing a couple of years back for 538 looking at the height of players. And in, taller players do tend to be a little bit more risk, risk – uh, not risk adverse, but risky, more risky, I guess. Is right. Really, what I'm looking Whatever for. the opposite of that. Towards injuries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, we looked at it specifically with like a guy like Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, and, and Chris Porzingis are my three like all wins teams. Like I watch them play, and and they fall at least once. And I'm like, you know, like get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, because because they're unique in a way that they move like nobody else does, but they're doing it in a seven foot body, right? So naturally, that's going to increase the risk of stepping on someone, landing on someone, catching something somewhere, uh, and again, stretching the body out. And you got to remember about AD, he grew really fast. He wasn't always, you know, a big man. He started out as a guard, and then he had this big, giant growth spurt, which changed so much of, of what he could physically do, but didn't necessarily change his mentality. So that what makes him special, but it's also, again, one of those things that, that increases his level of risk. So basically what you're saying is Anthony Davis, the player, might – you know, very well have seasons where he is healthy, plays a lot of games, comes through okay. It's just the rest of us who will shorten all of our lives watching him. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, and again, you, you look at you look at last year, and and he he had some some injuries along the way, but he was able to really put it together and and be that top tier top tier player. We know he can be. Um, okay. Well, this, this was so much fun, Jeff. Um, and <laughs> we, this, you know, I, hopefully for you as well. Um, but the, the, the website is in street clothes. You find Jeff Stotts at in street clothes. I, people can learn an incredible amount yes. about, uh, what is a very, very important part of watching sports is understanding injuries, why guys get hurt, what leagues are doing about it. All that stuff can be found uh, at Jeff's site. It's a, it's the place to go the minute you hear about an injury. Uh, Jeff Stotts, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Happy to do it, guys. Anytime.